have a question for you. And that is, what kind of legacy do you want to leave when you're gone, when life is over and you've, you've done your 80, 90, maybe 60, 70, who knows, only God, it's by his design. But when those years are over, what is it that you're going to leave behind? I don't know if you thought about it. I think you probably have. Most of us have at one time or another. What legacy should we want to leave behind when God calls us home? That's the question we're asking. And I have two passages I would like to read that address this issue. The first one is from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, verses 10 through 15. You can follow along if you like. Um, I used the King James Version here. I just didn't know uh, what kind of Bible you would have, so the language might be a little different than your translation. But you can follow along with me. This is a very important passage, and you'll see why. Wise old Solomon says, after a lifetime of, of hardship that he brought on himself because he made some horrible decisions. He ruined his life. He ruined the kingdom. And now he's writing at the end of his life, reflecting on it all, thinking what is salvageable in all of this heartache and destruction that he had wrought. Well, he says, Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where you go. All he's saying is this. At the end of your life, the time of opportunity for serving God is over. It's eternity. And, and the chance that you have right now, uniquely during your years on this earth, will be gone forever. Don't get me wrong. Heaven is going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. There will be nothing like it. We can't even imagine it. But this time, right now, is a time of opportunity to do things for the Lord and to leave a legacy. Not necessarily your reputation, but something else, as we'll see in a moment. He says in verse 11, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, although we're told that all the time, aren't we? The fastest runner wins. Well, not always. Nor the battle to the strong. Neither yet bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to the men of skill. All these theories we have for finding happiness and doing something good in our lives, Solomon's saying, be careful. Some of them are pitfalls. They're, uh, they're myths about what is, it is that you should be doing with your life. Verse 12, for man also knoweth not his time as the fishes that are taken in an evil or uh, a dangerous net. And as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil or a dangerous time when it falleth suddenly upon them. This wisdom I have seen also under the sun, and it seemed great to me. And then he goes on to tell a little story that really strikes us uh, right in the heart about this whole business of leaving a legacy or a remembrance about ourselves when the Lord takes us home. He says, There was a little city and few men within it. And there came a great king against it and besieged it and built great bulwarks and weapons uh, against it. 
Now there was found in it a poor wise man. And he by his wisdom delivered the city. And we say, yay, until we read, yet no one remembered that same poor man. See, this story is incredible. There's an army that comes up with, with a powerful king that comes up against this little city and a poor but wise man has the answer. He sets forth his answer. The city is rescued and no one remembered him. It almost sounds like it doesn't belong there at the end of the story and no one remembered him. But that is exactly Solomon's point. Even those who do great things like deliver cities, entire cities, with wisdom, good people, are not remembered. Their legacy is not the memory of the great thing that they did like this individual. Well, no one remembered so much for leaving a heroic legacy. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 is a commentary on those who are named in Hebrews 11. Now, who's named in Hebrews 11? Well, Abraham and Moses and David and so many, Sarah and so many other people are named there. What do we learn about those people in Hebrews chapter 11? We learn about their faith and their faithfulness, which was the outworking of their faith. Well, in chapter 12, 1 through 3, which comes after that list of people who left their faith and their faithfulness when they died, uh, the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews writes to us, excuse me, uh, wherefore, seeing we are just surrounded, encompassed by so great a cloud of witnesses. And I used to think of this passage as kind of like an athletic event. And uh, the, the witnesses are up in the grandstand, and they're saying, yeah, go Dave Duell, run, keep running. Don't stop, don't let sin trip you up, but just keep running Dave. But you know what? That was an incorrect understanding of this passage. Those people, the, that cloud of witnesses, are the people back in chapter 11. And what are they doing? They're witnessing to you and to me of their faith and their faithfulness, what they did during their lives. Now, when you read the list of people back in chapter 11, you say, yeah, but I remember some other things those people did, and some of them weren't all that great. You'd like to forget about those, and I'm sure they would as well. But that's the point. We're people. We're fallible. And those people in Hebrews chapter 11 were just as real as you and I. And they did live their faith and their faithfulness out, even though some of them had some tough times and some rough places in their lives. So again, seeing so great a cloud of witnesses, people telling us about their faith and their faithfulness, let's lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you become weary and faint in your minds. Well, this is the word of the Lord. 
May the Lord add his blessing on the reading of his word. Let's pray before we talk about these passages. Father, we recognize that this notion of a legacy is one that confuses us. We would like to leave something good behind when we go home to be with you. We would like to leave something useful and of value. Father, help us to evaluate our own hearts tonight, what it is that we want to leave behind. And if what we want to leave behind is wrong, challenge us to think about what we should want to leave behind. We commit this time to you now, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just that word legacy, legacy, it's one of those words that you expect to see carved in granite on some person's desk. You know, legacy is one of those power words that we hear about. But you know what? A godly legacy may be less prestigious to popular opinion and may easily, may not easily be left behind. Words are nice when they're etched in granite and placed on your desk where you can look at them and think about them. But what about the realities? That's the question. Well, God's word challenges us to think about legacy and how we should leave a legacy. Solomon learned a lot in the course of his life. I'm going to quote Solomon a lot to, tonight because he's the one who thought a lot of, about these things because he messed up his life so badly. Well, Solomon said, uh, I wonder if he had a smile on his face, a generation comes and a generation goes. Ecclesiastes 1.4. You say, yeah, but wait a minute. I'm one of those generations coming and going. One day you're in the world, the next day you're out of the world. We are one of those generations that Solomon talks about. And there's not much we can take with us when we go, but neither can we leave very much behind. You know, archaeologists dig uh, holes in the ground in other parts of the world, and they discover all kinds of wonderful things. They always study these little broken pots and, and the remains, if you will, that are left behind. So archaeologists do study what's left behind. They study what a generation, in Solomon's terms, left behind. Sometimes an entire civilization deposits a layer of broken and burnt rubble as little as a few inches thick. Now think about that for a moment. That is what they left behind when they left this world. And what is more, the trained eye, only the trained eye in those archaeological digs can distinguish the royal court from the city dump. It all looks alike. It's all rubble. All that, all that for which these people labored all their lives ended up in the dirt that they walked on. The situation is also true of Christians that lived among some of those people with one exception. And what is that? What they invested through ministry into the lives of others, its impact will last for eternity. That was their legacy, their faith and their faithfulness. And we're the beneficiaries of that. Well, a legacy is something similar to an inheritance, an accumulation of capital and goods that 
parents pass down to their children. A legacy by popular definition is anything that you can leave behind or hand down, including intangibles like a name. We're going to talk about that whole question of leaving behind a good name or a great name. A legacy may endure long after an inheritance is spent. The money goes fast in this world. But there are other things that last for a long time. Solomon calls a legacy a remembrance, because that's really what it is. It's how people remember you and what you did. Ecclesiastes 1, in verse 11. And he says this as he makes a point that a truly enduring legacy is extremely rare and extremely difficult to leave behind. By contrast, Scripture, after scrutinizing and prioritizing our legacy options, assures us that we can leave something of lasting value. Let's consider the possibilities. And Solomon lays them all out for us because he tried them all until he realized uh, what we'll see when we conclude. We can pass down our legacy. Solomon says uh, we can pass down our legacy as our wealth. It's possible to do that. In fact, you will probably when you pass on, you will leave some of your wealth to someone else, whoever that person may be. And Solomon even says this. He says, quote, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Proverbs 13.22. What's he saying? Well, someone who lives a careful life, spends their money wisely, can leave behind a legacy of wealth that will even extend to their grandchildren, will benefit their grandchildren. Some people do this today. Some grandparents will pay for their grandchildren's education. That's a classic example of what I'm, uh, Solomon is talking about here. And the Apostle Paul agrees. He says, after all, children should not have to save up for their parents but parents for their children. Now, he's not saying that children should not help their parents in their old age. Um, he's simply saying the normal way of doing things is that parents and grandparents pass down their wealth legacies to their children and even their grandchildren. What the Apostle Paul said was taken from first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. But on the other side of things, if you're going to really consider wealth in, its, in the fullest sense. On the other side, Solomon balanced out this very positive comment about leaving wealth behind with a great concern. He bemoaned, he, he was sad about leaving a legacy of wealth behind to a perfect stranger. Ecclesiastes 6, 1 through 2. You say, well, why would he do that anyhow? You know what? Here's a frightening thought. In the end, you really cannot control the wealth that you leave behind. You can do your best. You can leave a will. You can make all these preparations. But in the end, something can happen. It's a risky thing to think about your wealth as being your best legacy that you can leave behind. Solomon also says, and this one's kind of sad, he said, on the other hand, you might also leave your wealth to a fool. He was talking about his own children. Thinking about the fact that they might even use the wealth that he would leave behind to hurt themselves and other people. We must pass down our wealth and our material legacies. We've got to do it. 
It's what responsibility tells us to do. But it may be difficult. And it may be disappointing. And you might be glad that you don't see how that wealth that you pass down is spent someday. Not saying, and Solomon is not saying actually, that we should be reckless about leaving our wealth behind to our children, to grandchildren, to other people, to charities and so forth. He says, be careful, but don't place all your hope for a good legacy in that. So where should we place our hope for leaving a legacy? Well, you can also leave behind a good name. Solomon said that a good name is better than fine perfume. Ecclesiastes 7, 1. Perfume was very valuable and expensive. It was almost like a precious uh, gem or a precious metal. He says, and more desirable than great riches, not just fine perfume, but more desirable than riches themselves. So a good name, a good reputation, if you will, is more important than leaving wealth. That's pretty sobering. Leaving a good name for your children and your grandchildren is more important than leaving your wealth. The memory of the righteous will be a blessing, he says, but the memory of the wicked will rot. Not a pleasant picture. Proverbs 10, 7. Why is that? Because they leave behind such a horrible reputation. They lived a life of recklessness, and they could have done so many good things, but they didn't. And their name, I'm using his language, their name will rot instead of being a blessing to their family. Well, the New Testament prioritizes a good reputation, not just a good name, but a good reputation for deacons, Acts chapter 6, verse 3, bishops, 1 Timothy 3, 7, Titus 1, 6, and older women who teach younger women, 1 Timothy 5, 10, and Titus 2. It is desirable for everyone to leave behind a good reputation. But if given the choice, many people in our world would rather leave a famous name. Some will even commit violent crimes just to be remembered. That is horrible logic. Solomon warned that even though you clamor to leave an impressive reputation, your efforts might be better spent elsewhere. Well, how? Ecclesiastes 2.16. The wise man like the fool will not be long remembered. We might as well get used to that idea. Even if they were to save an entire city, as we saw. Ecclesiastes 9.15. And now here it is. This is the scoop. In short, others will forget you. Maybe not in the present generation, but certainly a few years down the road. We probably shouldn't be too concerned about leaving a famous name, just a good reputation. After all, Solomon says, it's like wealth to our children and our grandchildren to leave a good reputation behind. Well, you know what some people will want to argue? They'll argue that our children, our children are the greatest legacy that we leave behind. Children are an heritage of the Lord. Psalm 127, verse 3. That is, parents receive them as an inheritance, as a stewardship. We might even view our children 
as a legacy that we ourselves leave for family, for church, for society, whoever might benefit from their having been put on this earth. You can view your children that way. To some extent, our, off, our offspring is the fruit of our lives. They are our legacy. At least that's one way of looking at it, but there are problems even with this view. It may not be best to lay a burden of huge expectations on our kids. Oh, you've got to change the world. You've got to fix this. Well, they're not, they may change the world, but you know what? They're not going to fix it permanently. And to put that kind of a, of a set of expectations on your children, I think is a, you may want to think about that. What is more, not everyone is able to have children. What about them? Well, Scripture points to a better way to view the relationship between children and legacies. And now we're here to the point. Pass down your faith to your children, your grandchildren, your spiritual children. Speaking of spiritual offsprings, John, the Apostle John says, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. 3 John verse 4. Well, we read the uh, Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3. The writer of Hebrews profiles what some have affectionately called the great hall of faith. Why? Well, all of those whose members have passed down their legacies. You see, that's what Hebrews chapter 11 is. It's a list of legacies really, when you think about it. It's their faith and their faithfulness on display. From Abel to the prophet Samuel, the faith and faithfulness of God's people is on display, and there are some real surprises. One of my favorites is Sarah. I love that one. It's really good. He then refers to those uh, examples of faith and faithfulness as a great crowd, a cloud of witnesses. Excuse me as we saw in the reading. Again, not people who are in the grandstands cheering you and I on, saying, finish the race, but people who've run before us and who show us exactly how to run the race by leaving a legacy of faith and faithfulness. The writer of Hebrews then refers to these examples of faith as a great cloud of witnesses who witnessed their own faith and faithfulness. They left this legacy for us, and it's one that endures. You notice that? Some of those people lived 3,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, and yet the testimony of their lives, their faith, and their faithfulness is still with us in Scripture. So my challenge to you tonight is this. Consider the legacy that you were left. Because the members of this witness cloud passed down the example of their faith and their faithfulness to us, we should walk faithfully. That's the way you respond. You remember their names, sure. But you remember their example, their faith and their faithfulness. What I like about Hebrews 11 is there are some real surprises. But there are other witnesses in your life whose names only we would recognize. Now here we go. This is an exercise for you. 
What about the one who first told you about Jesus Christ? Do you remember that person? What about the one who helped you get through a very difficult crisis in your life? What about the one who helped you when you abandoned, betrayed, or brought shame on that individual? I might be talking about a parent. Do you remember them? How could you forget them? Their faith and faithfulness, in a word, their spiritual impact live on in us, though they may already have passed on to their eternal reward. They left us a priceless and enduring legacy. So now it's your turn, and it's my turn. Imagine the privilege of impacting others toward keeping faith and faithfulness long after you've gone. Whose witness cloud will you be? Because that will be your legacy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have, the opportunity that we have to live a life, not a perfect life, but a life that's characterized by faith and faithfulness. Father, help us to realize that faith and faithfulness are the only enduring legacy that we can leave behind in this world. And yes, we will have to leave behind our wealth. And yes, we ought to be careful of the name and the reputation we leave behind. And yes, having brought children into this world is a huge contribution. But our enduring legacy will be our faith and faithfulness as it impacts others. So Father, help us to remember those whose faith and faithfulness had an impact on us. And might that motivate us to be more faithful and to increase our faith. In Jesus' name, amen.